When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. What is it with people from Chicago that they're so happy to have been born there? Chicago! When does it happen? So many people can't wait to tell me they're from Chicago. You wouldn't understand. The Bears Nation Podcast is powered by ONTAP Sports Network. I've been here nine months. Things have gone very quickly. We've accomplished a lot, but I'm extremely impatient. It is a beautiful day in Chicago. I'm competitive. I want to win, but I also want to do it with integrity and style and grace and class and humility. We'll call Chicago and notify them of the situation. This is a destination. People want to come to Chicago. Hello, Chicago! And as I sit here today, unequivocally, I believe that we have the right set of individuals, and my expectations going into this season are extremely high, that we need to win the NFC North. See you in the Super Bowl. It's the Bears Nation Podcast with Kevin Lapka and Jay Kassan. Both men of Chicago. It's Bears Nation, baby. We're going to take the North and never give it back. Let's go. Hello and welcome. It is another edition of Bears Nation Podcast. We are back because we have news. Things have happened and we will tell you about it. Uh, The Bears hire an offensive coordinator after a... I don't know if it was a longer than anticipated search or if it was shorter. I thought it was, I, it felt shorter than it was to me. I, I feel like um, it was about three to four weeks. Uh, it felt a little bit shorter uh, than I thought, but you know, time is a construct anyway. So who really cares or knows? Uh, but the bears hire Shane Waldron uh, to be their new offensive coordinator, formerly of the, well, most recently, I guess I should say of the Seattle Seahawks for the past three years, engineered the season that made Geno Smith, a comeback player of the year uh, award winner. And formerly of the Shane Shane, the Sean McVay tree uh, was the passing game coordinator in Los Angeles when Jared Goff was there. I think it, I believe the years were 2019 to 2021. Uh, and then before that was in New England with Bill Belichick. So has experienced play calling, has been around the league, has been in a bunch of different places with a bunch of different quarterbacks, uh, which is juxtaposed with the offensive coordinator that you just had here, Luke Getze, who was a first-time play caller who had only been with Green Bay and only worked with one quarterback. Uh, Shane Waldron's history of quarterbacks includes but is not limited to Geno Smith, Jared Goff, Kirk Cousins, and as well as many others, but those are the headliners. Um, And this is a guy who's called plays before, and uh, I mean, I think it's a good hire. I'm glad that they did their uh, due diligence, the Bears. I'm glad that they took their time and landed on someone who has a, a strong history in the league, who's been in the league for a long time, not just as a play caller, but with different staffs, different guys, different guys who are highly regarded. So uh, to me, I mean, we'll just get right into it. To me, 
I could be wrong. This indicates the return of Justin Fields. To me. Really? This this is what it looks like because, and for the single reason that of the Geno Smith comeback player of the year the season surgeons. that we just saw yeah. in 22. And Geno Smith wasn't even, like, he was closer to average this year and he dealt with injuries and he was kind of in and out. But I think to me, the Shane Waldron, Geno Smith revival, let's say, of the 2022-2023 season Seems to indicate, I mean, given where you're at with Justin Fields, seems to indicate to me at least, again, I could be wrong, they could trade Justin Fields tomorrow. And we could talk a little bit about a, a mock draft from Mel Kuyper that came out today. But okay. to me, it indicates that Justin Fields is sticking around, that they hired this guy because, hey, look what he did with Geno Smith and made Geno Smith a pro bowler for the first time in his ninth year in the league. To me, that just indicates that Justin Fields is coming back. Could be wrong, could totally be wrong. But just given what we know and given Waldron's history and given where you're at with Justin Fields, it indicates to me that Justin Fields is going to be the quarterback in 2024. Wow. I wasn't expecting you to come on here first two minutes and let that one loose. I mean, that is, I mean, dude, that's a take. I mean, do you disagree? That is a take. I, I don't entirely disagree. Look, I had said throughout this hiring process that I thought most of us could tell based on who they hired who they'd return a quarterback. Like, I thought the hire would dictate it for the most part, right? Because you saw names like Kingsbury. Yep. If you're Kingsbury, it was 100% going to be Caleb. I think all along, we were excited about that, but we knew that that was an interview for Intel, right? Sure. You're going to interview Cliff Kingsbury and get everything I mean, it, could, can it didn't have to exclusively be that. Right. It didn't have to exclusively be that, but it served that purpose regardless. Now, if they hired Greg Roman, you're almost for sure – you know, assuming Justin Fields would be returning because of his track record with quarterbacks like Lamar Jackson and quarterbacks similar to Justin Fields' play style in the NFL and success with those players in the NFL. Shane Raldrian is one of those guys who can do both, which is why I'm not definitive on it, right? I don't think, though, he's the best guy for a rookie quarterback like Caleb Williams to come into, right? Like, I just don't think that there's a, a marriage there that gets you as excited as the marriage that could exist between him and Justin Fields, knowing what he's done with quarterbacks similar, I guess you could say similar to Justin Fields' play style. Geno Smith early in his career held the ball way too long. It was one of his biggest criticisms. He was able to fix that. And he has somewhat of a running ability, but obviously nowhere near Justin Fields' running ability. Russell Wilson, 2021. Russell Wilson 2021 is another guy that he's worked with and had success with who has was pretty much the cop for Justin Fields for a couple of years there uh, coming out of college. People thought that they were, you know, similar with the great deep ball success, you know, able to use the legs, but not reliant on it, be able to make plays out of the pocket sure. and then like being the magician in the pocket that they both are. So that it's like eerily similar how his history with these quarterbacks and him assisting these quarterbacks and now your situation with Justin Fields and the style of quarterback he is, like it does make you think that it is more likely they'll keep Justin Fields, and that's where I'm at. But I also don't think it's a hire that eliminates the possibility of them taking Caleb. Right. Like I, I, I don't think it's the best pairing if they were to take Caleb. Like I don't think Shane Waldron's like your guy if you're taking Caleb Williams. I just don't see it that way. But it doesn't mean that they're not going to take him by any means. I just think right. at this point I'm with you that it leans towards them keeping Justin Fields. Yeah, I right. Could be wrong. It could totally go the other way. It could totally, you know, they could still definitely select Caleb Williams or whoever at number one. 
But it's just given Waldron's experience with Geno Smith, with Russell Wilson, with Jared Goff, with Kirk Cousins, and then even with New England dating back as far as 2008, that's what it indicates to me, that the Bears are going to stick with Justin Fields and try to surround him. You know, maybe they trade out of number one and they try to get, you know, a Marvin Harrison Jr. at number four, number four or even if they trade down to two, uh, two or three. Depends. Uh, so there's not a ton to be gleaned from this. But if I'm reading between the lines, if I'm reading the signs, as Silver Linings mm-hmm. Playbook famously said in 2009, like, you know, that that's just what I'm getting from this. Could totally be wrong. But that's just my I, – I think it's a good hire. I mean, it's good to bring in – it's good – I mean, this is kind of typical Bears to go – total opposite end of the spectrum from where you just came where Luke Getze first time play caller had only worked with one team and now the bears do this thing where they overcorrect completely. And so they go but with the guy. Good thing this time. Sure. Agree. They go with a guy who's been around since 2008 in the league. Mostly right. there were a couple of years where he worked uh, in college too, but you know, with the Patriots and Bill Belichick with Sean McVay and the Rams with Pete Carroll and the Seahawks now in his last three years. So our last four years. So, Right, it's not a bad overcorrection, and I think that is the smart play to do. And and you know there were guys that are starting to get hired. We're seeing coaches and coordinators start to get hired. So as this market was heating up, it's good that the Bears made their decision and made it happen, so that they're not left scrambling. I think that was also a very good sign. Yeah, and, and look, we'll we'll break down and grade this higher a little bit in, in just a second. But there's something I want to bring up because I see a lot of people talking about the fact that. Waldron was a top candidate this hiring season, right? Yeah. Because he wasn't even supposed to be available. I mean, he wasn't going to be available at all until Pete Carroll decided to uh, retire, get, you know, move differently yeah. within the organization, right? And and they made Waldron available. He was a top name. Teams like the Saints wanted him. I think there was a couple other teams that were inquiring for him, even for maybe head coaching positions. Yes. But he chose the Bears. So I'm seeing a lot of people say, okay, why would he choose the Bears? And there's a lot of people quick to make the assumption that, well, he only chose the Bears over other teams because they have the number one overall pick, and he's excited about the possibilities of working with Caleb Williams. And while that could be true, there's also truth to the idea that there's a lot that comes with working with the number one overall pick mm-hmm. and the pressure that comes with working with a guy like Caleb Williams, who you know, has all these questions off the field and, you know, all these different things. I, I wouldn't say all these questions, right? But people, there, there's some believe he's a diva or things like that, right? And 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 who, who knows what Shane Waldron believes. But there's, if you're comparing, okay, Justin Fields, we know who he is. Sure. He's a, we, we know, you know what you're getting, you know what you're getting out of him when you work with him day one. No questions. You've seen him for three years. You know what he's capable of. You know what he's not great at. You know how to fix it. You know he's going to put his head down and work hard. You know he's a leader. You know all these things. When you're working with, whether it be Kaylee Williams or Drake May, or if they were to draft a quarterback, it's an unknown venture if you're Shane Waldron, which to his you know eyes could be exciting. Again, like to his eyes, that could be a blank canvas that he can draw all over, and he totally. can mold Caleb Williams into whatever he wants to be. But... I wouldn't rule out the possibility of him almost looking at working with Justin Fields as a more favorable situation for him because he has three years 
of tape to look at in the NFL of how he can make this a better player the same way he was able to look at the years of tape with Geno Smith and all the faults that he had and make him a better player and turn the Seahawks into a playoff team year one that Geno Smith became the quarterback. So I just think people are too quick to look at his decision to choose the Bears and think, well, he only did that because the one thing the Bears have that other teams don't have and, you know, that the the other teams that Waldron were looking at is the number one overall pick and is the prospect of getting a player like with the talent of Caleb Williams. So I don't think, again, it doesn't rule out that they take Caleb Williams. I just think there's a chance that he could have looked at the Bears situation and thought that it was more favorable to work with Justin Fields. And also, I don't think he knows that now. And I don't think they know that. But I think he probably has, and 100% has to, have that in his mind. Like, hey, I'm going I think here a because blueprint. that's the possibility. There's an idea of what they're going to do. You think do. there's a blueprint? I think there's an you idea. You think they shared that? Maybe blueprint. Is, well, maybe now that he's been officially hired. Maybe blueprint's the wrong word. But I think there's maybe at least like a foundation, let's call it, of like what they want to do. Um, and maybe even it's, and maybe that is leaving the options open. I think, I mean, Kevin, you talked about this a lot over the last, you know, couple months that regardless of what the bears do, whether it's keep fields or trade him and use the number one overall pick on, let's say Caleb Williams, that it's a favorable situation because, all right, if you, let's say you like fields, if you're Shane Waldron, you're like, all right, yeah, I can work with this guy. You know, you won seven games when he missed a, a long stretch of the season was injured and you played Tyson Bajant for a handful of games. And also now you have an opportunity to add a Marvin Harrison Jr. or a Rome Adunze or whoever, or an offensive lineman or an edge rusher. So with Justin Fields, assuming health, then and you add a couple more playmakers. Let's say you add a Tyler Boyd and a Roma Dunze. All right, now you have three legitimate receivers, a tight end you really like. All right, so now you have four legitimate receivers. All right, great. Maybe you add to the offensive line mm-hmm. with that other pick. Okay, great. You get your other tackle. Maybe you kick Braxton Jones inside. I don't know, but whatever. Point being that if you keep fields, okay, well, they can use that number one overall pick and this number nine pick to add more talent to a team that won seven games, who, by the way, missed their quarterback for three, four games. Okay, path to 10-11 wins there, great. Or it's this team has the number one overall pick and the chance to draft what is seen as, whether you agree or not, but what is generally seen as a generational quarterback prospect on a team, again, that won seven games and you can add a receiver at number nine and you have all this money to play with and blah, 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 blah. So either end of the spectrum, if you're Shane Waldron, and again, credit to you because you, you mentioned this a couple weeks ago, like... You have options where whether you keep fields or bring in a rookie quarterback, there's a path to success for you to make your name as or continue to make your name because really essentially Shane Waldron is established. Let's not, you know, get that confused. But, you know, make put another feather in your cap, let's call it, or, or add another notch to your checklist of like things you've accomplished in the NFL. So I agree with you. I think it it, it seems to imply that Justin Fields will be returning, but it does not completely rule out the fact that he does not because, and maybe this is how we segue into this conversation, Mel Kuyper put in his mock draft today that he wouldn't be surprised if the Bears got a first-round pick for Justin Fields. And I think if teams are calling you, offering you a first-round pick for Justin Fields, you take that immediately. You take that offer. You take that offer. I think that Justin Fields can have success in this league. I think he could have success as the Bears quarterback. But if there's a team offering you a first-round pick, 
this year for Justin Fields, you take that immediately because that's just too much. Because then you have three first-round picks, you use one on a quarterback, you reset the quarterback clock, and you're still able to add a lot of talent around that. And you still have a path if Caleb Williams is able to reach 80% of his ceiling, you still have a path to 10 wins. Right or wrong, if somebody's offering you a first-round pick, you have to take that. That's a slam-dunk offer. You have to. Like, that's yeah. just smart football. Like, that's just how yeah, yeah. that's just how smart organizations run. Like, if you're able right. to take advantage of somebody offering you a first-round pick for a guy who's going into his fourth year who's a huge question mark, like, you have to take it. Like, we talk about malpractice I, on the yeah. show a lot. You have to take that. <laughs> Otherwise, it's malpractice. Yeah, and I think I, I and I'm gonna be honest, man. People are calling Mel Kiper crazy. I think that should, like it depends on the team. Sure, the Falcons aren't offering you number eight overall. Right. I just I, I, I don't think that's happening. But the Steelers would 100 percent and should be asking for number 20. Like if you're sure. Brian Poles, you should set that price because it is well known. You know, I don't care what Twitter user X says to you. It's well known throughout the league that players and coaches alike respect and know Justin Fields is a very talented player. He was on the top 100 list last year, higher than Trevor Lawrence was. Mm -hmm. And in hindsight, that actually looks like a pretty good choice by the players and the coaches. But they know how good he is. The coaches know how good he is. The players know how good he is. That should be the asking price if you are to sell off Justin Fields. So I don't think that's outrageous at all. Again, it depends on the team. It has to be late 20s. There's going to be no team above round 15 that I think would trade a first round yeah. to the fields. But Probably. Steelers, Maybe. Saints, trying to think of other teams. Saints gave Carr too much money. They're not moving on from him. Saints, yeah. I, I, okay. Um, Chris Olave reunion. I've seen some Saints fans retweet my video from years ago at Ohio State when Chris Olave was talking about pairing over Justin Fields. It's kind of funny. But I'm with you. Now, Here's the thing that has just like thrown a wrench in this entire conversation, not thrown a wrench for me because this is the way I felt. Um, and I've obviously, even myself, as big of a supporter of Justin Fields as I have been and have believed that keeping him has been the best option, am undoubtedly excited about the possibility of Caleb Williams. You have to be. You have to be excited about that prospect. There's a chance that that could be a very, very good player. While I believe there's question marks, you can't rule out the fact that he could be he could be great. Yep. And there's a lot of exciting things when you go back and you watch the tape and you see who he is as a player. It's been really interesting for me watching the NFL playoffs, Jake, and seeing what's unfolded because you kind of have a mix in both conferences of teams doing going both ways of what the Bears could do, right? You have the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes, and you have a quarterback who's carried this team year after year after year, even with a limited supporting cast, which is a big knock against those who are saying, well, you know, Justin Fields needs this player and this player and this offensive line, this offensive line, and there's people that say, oh, well, Justin Fields should be able to get by with what they've got because Patrick Mahomes can do that and all these different things, right? So you have the Chiefs and you have the Bills with Josh Allen, who's just incredible, and then on the other side, you have the Lions, which Jared Goff, who's playing really well, but no one would argue he's a top-five quarterback in the NFL. No one sure. would argue that he carries that team. No one would argue that he's the sole reason that team was in the NFC Championship. That's just a great offense with a great offensive line yep. that comes together. And then the team that they played in the divisional round, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, with the resurgence of Baker Mayfield and – staying the course and putting faith in a player to research and, and, and develop their career is the exact case for Justin Fields. And then the 49ers 
with a great team around him and spend all this capital on building around a team and a quarterback who's really not valuable at all, but he gets the job done because his team is incredible. I mean, I'm sorry. It's just, it's just what it is. I mean, Brock Purdy is just not a valuable player. I mean, I mean, he's valuable, but like that team's better with Justin Fields. That team's better sure. with a majority of other quarterbacks in the NFL, I think. Um, and yes, it's only his second year, but that's part of why I think they're better is because he's a still a second year player and he's a rookie or he's not a rookie. He's, he's, a, he's a good, Mr. not Rogan. great player. He's a good, not great player. But the, the point is you kind of get torn because you see these teams have success in the NFL and you like bear, the bears have both options. Like you could go the yeah. lions route and you could go, or you could go the chiefs route. I don't know. Like the chiefs routes a little riskier because while you could get Patrick Mahomes, the odds of you getting Patrick Mahomes are probably one in a hundred. They just are because Patrick Mahomes himself is a one in a million player, right? Like you can't just expect that if you take Caleb Williams, you're going to be the chiefs. Right. You can't expect that. It's not going to fix everything. Because odds are, it's not going to happen. Well, it's not, Jake, it's not that it's not going to fix everything. Odds, statistically, odds are, that's not what you're getting out of Caleb Williams. Patrick sure. Holmes is going to go down as the best player to ever play football. It's going to happen. In 10 years, you'll have that conversation without a doubt, with no disrespect to Tom Brady. So, it's you're, you're kind of torn after watching these NFL playoffs on which way the Bears should go. But Well, I think what that shows you is that you, as an organization, have to nail everything else. Waldron has to be the guy. Whoever you hire as defensive right. coordinator has to be the guy. Or if Eberflus is going to keep calling plays on defense, then he has to continue to grow and evolve and be a good head coach. You know, whoever else you draft at nine, whether that's, you know, Fashanu or Latou or one of these other edge rushers or a Dunze, you have to nail it. Whoever you draft in the middle rounds, and credit to Ryan Poles, he's had a good track record, but you have to continue to nail this. Well, you better hope, regardless of if you keep Fields or you go with Caleb Williams, you better hope Waldron's it. You better hope, because if you get another Getze, it's full rebuild time again, and everybody's getting traded, and everybody's walking out that door, and then you're, and then we're doing this for another five years, and we're just yes. miserable. Yes. So... To your point, like the Lions, Dan Campbell is a he, he's a good coach, a great leader. He nailed his coordinator hirings, and I mean their defense Correct. is just fine. But Aaron you know Gladdy, the offense, yeah. you know Johnson, it nailed it. Got the best out of Jared Goff. The Niners continually nail it with everything that they do because they have a top two head coach in the league. So, to your point. Yes, Caleb Williams doesn't automatically fix everything. Maybe Shane Waldron doesn't un- automatically unlock Justin Fields, mm-hmm. but you got to you got to continue to nail everything else. It's not a one to one correlation. Does it, does it help? Sure, maybe Caleb Williams is great and he does help things. Doesn't magically fix everything, like you said. You're not getting Patrick Mahomes, like probably not getting Patrick Mahomes, but like even on its own, even if you do, you still got <laughs> issues. Getting- you got to nail everything else. So, I mean, let's be, and again, let's be really clear. Caleb Williams is seen as a generational prospect. If he's 75% of Patrick Mahomes, you have a very, very good quarterback on your hands. You have a great player on your hands. So the point being, you got to continue to nail everything else. You've done all right so far. You've done okay. And most of it has just been players who have been bailing you out here. But whoever else you hire, got to nail it. That's it. Because at the end of the day, that's what all of these teams do. You know, yeah, Kyle Shanahan's a genius, but also look at the guys he's hired. Look at the players he's brought in. 
Okay, the Lions, you want to use that example? Yeah, Dan Campbell nailed his offensive coordinator hire. He's able to rally his guys at all times. Like Ben Johnson's the best coach on that staff. Like he's he he just is. He's I mean, I think Dan Campbell's a very good coach. Just, no, I agree. just because of his leading capabilities. Right. But also was smart enough and worked with his general manager to identify somebody who is an awesome offense coordinator, is going to be a head coach next year. Like you gotta have that. I've often said this is just a good case study with the Lions here. I've often said, as the Chicago Bears, we should be in no situation to ever compare ourselves to the Lions. But that's just—I mean, they're just—they're just a better organization, they're a better yeah. team right now at this moment in 2024. That's just, just facts. So you, you you can compare them, compare yourselves to them, and not feel shameful about it. And when I'm watching that game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Mike Tirico, or I don't know, was that game? yeah, that game was on NBC. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it was. So who's the who's the sideline reporter? Is it Michelle Tafoya? I, I forget who it is. Yes, they had it was either her or Tariko, whoever it is, and they had talked about they had shown Sheila Hamp, who's the CEO and president mm-hmm. of the Detroit Lions, in her box, and they talked about last year when the Lions were one and six, right, and they ended up eight and nine, I believe, or maybe yep. nine and eight, eight. just missed the playoffs after they beat Green Bay. Eight and nine. Um, they had a lot of reasons to fire the head coach. They had a lot of reasons to fire Dan Campbell after going one and six. They, the team wasn't coming together. It didn't look like they were playing hard, all these different things, right? Like it seemed like, okay, he might have been the rah rah guy that didn't work out, right? The biting of the kneecaps and all of it was mm-hmm. weird. And they, they just, mm-hmm. people didn't buy in. They run, they do better the second half of the season. They end up at the end of the year, a little, little momentum, although they were under 500. And you're looking at, and she, so Sheila Hamp goes, we had every reason in the world to blow it up and do what we do as the Detroit Lions and just restart and start over again. But we put faith in our head coach. We put faith in our quarterback, who at the time was nothing special. Like, there were questions about Jared Goff as the future of the Detroit Lions. You knew he was coming back, last year. You knew he was coming. Well, you knew he was coming back, but you weren't sure if that he was... He was if he was the guy to lead you to an NFC championship, sure. right? You were hesitant. People would have, I'm sure Lions fans entertained trade options or put like sure. drafting up. Like I'm sure it happened. And Sheila Hamp, the new CEO was like, we're not going to do the Lions way anymore. We're going to stick with our, we're going to put full faith in this team, the way it is constructed with this head coach and this quarterback. We're going to bring in Sam Laporta. We're going to make, I don't give a fuck if you think we reached on Jameer Gibbs. We're going to take him and he's going to be a playmaker for us. Right. And they took him in the top 10 or, or the top 15. They built around him. They spent a decent amount of money in free agency and watching and hearing about that. It just made you, it, it, it was just eye opening for me for some reason because when you talk about the Bears' way, what's the Bears' way? It's give up. It's fail to allocate resources to a team that might be close, although you may not recognize it. Draft the quarterback, fire the guy, go through this over and over again, and just play roulette with it like you have for the past 80 years. And if the Detroit Lions, under this format, can make it to the NFC Championship, why can't you? So although this may not be advocating for the Bears to do that, all I'm saying is if you are upset if the Bears choose to take that route, you are a fool because there is proof that that can work and there's proof that that may be the right way. And that's why I've sort of become, I've warmed up to the idea of Matt Eberflew staying around. Initially, I still think they might have. I still think they should have done due diligence on Jim Harbaugh. 
That, 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 I still think that they should have at least made the phone Vrabel call too. to Vrabel or Harbaugh or, you know, I don't know about Belichick, whatever it may be, right? But I cannot deny and I cannot knock them if their philosophy was similar to Sheila Hampson Detroit saying, look, we won't give up on a guy who clearly the players like, who clearly the players have now bought into, which is a stark contrast from what it was at the beginning of the year and last year. And now let's rally around this guy. Let's hire a coordinator who can be tactically smart on both sides of the ball so your head coach can be your culture and rah-rah guy that people buy into. And the coordinators are the ones making the smart football decisions. And let's go win some fucking football games and get to the NFC Championship. And if that's if that's truly their blueprint, Jake, and they want to do that, say they want to do that next year. You're not doing that with Caleb Williams. It's just not happening. C.J. Stroud just had one of the best seasons a rookie could ever have, and they got knocked out in the division round. It wasn't even close. So, well, I don't the Ravens it, might also be like an all-time sure. team. I don't know about an all-time team. I mean, they have but, the guy who's I mean, going to win lose his second MVP. They're going to lose this weekend, but that's a different conversation for a different day. But nonetheless, you know, I'm I I just if that's their formula. Then they're keeping everybody around. Sure. And who knows if that is. But I think it's an interesting case study. The Lions are a really interesting case study for what the Bears could do, could do if they chose to keep Justin Fields. And I'm not saying they will, but it's just interesting to look at. And respect to them. I fuck with the Lions right now. They're balling. <laughs> yeah, I mean, be honest. Any anytime. Like, yeah, I mean, that's what happens when teams in this position. I mean, you shouldn't only be looking at the Lions. The Bears should be looking at all four teams that are alive in championship weekend because right. that's where you want to be. So it's a, it shouldn't just be a Lions thing. It should be a, a 49ers thing, a Chiefs thing, a Ravens thing because you want to take something from all of those teams because you want to be in their position. So, yeah, I, I, just, I mean, I, I get what you're saying. Um, real quick about that, real quick, because I'll ask you this. I think there's flawed logic. I just don't understand. You cannot compare anyone to the Chiefs. You, ju- you just sure. can't. Right, because I don't care what happens, Jake. Caleb Williams will not be Patrick Mahomes. He will not. I it's just not going to. Ha- Guys, Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback we've ever seen play the game of football. The odds of Caleb Williams being that are one in a thousand, one in two thousand. Like it's just not going to. Ha- oh, and maybe, maybe right. there's a slim chance that it does. But to make the comparison that hey, let's be the Chiefs, you're not going to be the Chiefs. Probably. It doesn't happen. Teams aren't the Chiefs. Because they don't have Patrick Mahomes. You're not getting Patrick Mahomes in Caleb Williams, especially not in the first couple of years, most likely. Well, so, the thing is also, though, the Chiefs have a Hall of Fame head coach, a Hall of Fame tight end, one probably the greatest tight end of everything. all time as well. They have a Hall of Fame <laughs> defensive tackle. Like, exactly. Yeah, it, exactly. it worked out for them. They got lucky. It, 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 they, got, they, they got pretty damn lucky, yeah. and you don't have a Hall of Fame coach. You don't. Eberflus could get you to the NFC Championship. He's not a Hall of Fame coach. Correct. We know that. So, end of story. Let's move on real quick. I know you got to head out of here soon. Um, I got some things on Shane Waldron. Or what were you going to say before I rudely interrupted you about that question? I don't think I was going to say anything. So, Shane Waldron. Let's do a little review of Shane Waldron here and what he brings to the table. Well, let me ask you this. When you first saw that pop up, 5 a.m. higher, Ryan Poles is doing the dirty work at 4 a.m., what was like the instant reaction? Was it a meh? Was it a, okay, let's go. Was it a letdown? Instant reaction. It was fine. I I mean, like, I'm not unhappy with it. I think that there are good things that were 
taken. I, I think that there, like, there's good things from his history that make sense, and the hire makes sense. I mean, to me, it was like, all right, fine. And then I read a little bit more. I was like, okay, like I'm on board. Like this makes sense. So I'm not, mm-hmm. oh, I'm not fully tilted either way. I think it's a strong hire, and we'll see what happens. Yeah. So I'm with you. Initially, I was like uninspiring. I was, I, I wasn't out on it, but I was like, meh, like that, 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 eh, sure. right. And I've kind of over the past 24 hours have had to look things up here and try to convince myself why it was an inspiring hire. And I don't think I've gotten to that point. I don't, I don't think it's inspiring, but I see the path and I understand the reasons why they hired him. And here's the good in Shane Waldron here from a play calling statistical standpoint. Last year, seventh in the NFL, the Seattle Seahawks were in pre-snap motion. And why this is significant is because you know you can talk for hours about why pre-snap motion is great and how it beats man-to-man and why it's it's awesome and it's fun to watch. I'll read you the top five teams in pre-snap motion. You tell me what they all have in common. Number one, the Miami Dolphins, 68%. Number two, the Los Angeles Rams, 44%. Number three, the San Francisco 49ers, 37%. Number four, the Green Bay Packers, 36%. Number five, the Detroit Lions, 28%. Number six, the Baltimore Ravens, 28%. And then the Seattle Seahawks at 26% at seven. Those six teams above them, all the best offenses in the NFL, all playoff teams, is there a correlation? Yes. Run more freeze that motion. It's not hard. You run freeze that motion, you get into the playoffs. Correlation equals causation. This is how this works. And we all know this. Um, I think that that is a significant aspect. And now it's funny because the Bears came in at 12th in pre-snap motion at 21%. It didn't feel like a lot of the pre-snap motion the Bears did was creative, though. It was really basic stuff. Like, watch the Dolphins. Watch what they do with Tyreek Hill. He's going back towards the quarterback, then back behind the running back, then all around the fucking place, right? Like, do that with Tyler Scott. Do that with DJ Moore, right, if you if you bring in Marvin Harrison Jr. Do sure. these different things. Shane Waldron's actually pretty creative with his pre-snap motion, with his, you know, personnel groupings. I wouldn't say he gets too cute from the things that I've seen and things I've read and things that I've watched um, the way Matt Nagy does, but he's also not boring the way that Luke Getze kind of was. And I think this is the most interesting thing. The Seahawks were second in the uh, NFL in resetting drives on first down. So what that means is every like they were second in the NFL and getting first downs on first down. And why I think that's so important is because it felt so often the Bears were trying to take this methodical approach every time they got a first down of, hey, we have three downs every drive. Why don't we just run the halfback dive with Herbert for three yards? And if we do that again on second down, then we're in a pretty favorable third and four. And maybe we get to fourth and one and we can run a play we like on fourth and one instead of, hey, let's go take the shot on first down because the worst thing that could happen is an incompletion and it's second and 10. And now you got two more downs to, to get 10 yards. So second in the NFL and resetting drives on first down is really, really critical. Now here's the bad about, about Shane Walsh and things that concern me. Not a great utilization of unbelievable playmakers in that Seahawks offense last year. DK Metcalf had, I believe, something close to a career low in targets was averaging somewhere near like six to seven targets per game per player as good and un- unstoppable as him. Jackson Smith, Jackson Smith and Jigba. We all know how good he could be only had 630 yards and four touchdowns. I guess it's not that bad. 63 receptions for a rookie, uh, but he was supposed to have a potential rookie of the year type season. Tyler Lockett's aging. I don't really want to compare his stats, but it felt like, and the sentiment from a lot of Seattle fans is Shane Waldron wasn't getting the ball to his best playmakers consistently and wasn't utilizing some of the best, you know, wide receivers in the NFL in DK Metcalf and in a budding star in Jackson Smith and Jigba. 
So there's people concerned about, hey, if you bring in Marvin Harrison Jr., or if you, you know, whether it is just DJ Moore and Romo Dunze, that he won't get the ball to those guys consistently. So that's just an interesting thing to look at because that Seahawks offense last year was middle of the road from a yards per game and a points per game basis, which is actually, they're actually really close to where the Bears are. Um, and the Seahawks had Kenneth Walker, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, Jackson Smith, and Jigba, like really good players on offense. And now maybe Geno Smith isn't as good as Justin Fields or Caleb Williams or whoever the Bears go at quarterback. That's probably going to be the truth. But that's just one of the knocks that I've seen about Shane Waldron. So knowing now what you know about those there, the pre-snap motion, um, the pros and the cons, do you feel any different? Do, do those things excite you? Do those things make you nervous at all? Not nervous. Uh, again, I'm not fully tilted either way. I think that, again, it just like it goes hand-in-hand with the, his full evaluation as a coach, as a person. Uh, so I, I think that it's still a, a mostly positive hire. I'm still like I'll give it a B. Like I'm not fully like yeah slam dunk or oh god you fucked it up. Like I think that there's arguments for each, and I think that you know I I think that's wait and see. Like we can we'll never be able to know until we actually see the team on the field. You gotta mute yourself, King. I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. You're right. Uh, that's just a great phrase there. Uh, we will never know until we see it on the field. Yeah. That is, I mean, why, why even do the podcast, right? I mean, why, 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 why even I mean, have, I, I, I just think it's, I think it's a good hire. I mean, but we'll never know. Like we'll never be able to definitively say for seven months, eight months. Right. Well, actually I would actually counter that. I don't think you'll know for a couple of years. Sure. I mean, we, 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 won't, we, we won't know this, right? At least first start to know. Dude, week eight. Of 2022, we were like Luke Etsy's getting a head coaching job. He, he, like it's 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 happening. Fair, right? sure. You will not know for a couple years. Yeah. Offensive coordinators were. And how you about won't have an idea the, until for eight to seven seven to eight months. This is the craziest thing I've ever heard in my life. Every team in the NFL has switched offensive coordinators since the 2022 offseason. Wow, that cannot really? be possible. There's no way. I swear, I, I find the I find who. I mean, I is. believe it, but I mean, I get Eagles, Chiefs. You know, yeah. The I mean, the the, 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 the the Lions got Ben Johnson at the start of twenty twenty two. Yeah. Um. Unbelievable. Yeah. Here it is. 
from Desena Sports on Twitter. Every team in the NFL has changed their OC since the 2022 offseason. Brian Callahan of the Bengals was the last one standing until he was hired by the Titans today. Hmm. So, or yesterday. Wow. Incredible. Yeah, it's um, interesting. So for those who are like, well, you, you know, what if Shane Waldron gets hired as a head coach? Yeah, like, it, it probably will happen. Like, it's sure. a, like, or he'll get fired. Like, they're going to change off. outcomes, yeah. <laughs> um, the Super Bowl's coming up. NFC Championship. We probably won't record unless anything significant happens yeah. until, you know. Some kind of trade. Who knows, right? Um, we'll see. So, Jake, let's get some Super Bowl picks here for the people. Um, NFC Championship, AFC Championship. Who do you think wins the Super Bowl? What do you got? I'm going to go chalk. I think it's going to be Ravens, Niners. I, th- I Like, the Lions, great story. I think they're going to get curb stomped. Curb stomped? Yeah. Curb stomped. Dude, the Niners almost lost to Green Bay. And, Jordan Love you know, might I'm be not... really good. Okay, let's relax. Jordan that. Love might be That's... really good. I don't know if he's really good, but I don't think they're curb stomping the Lions. You're that guy who saw the Super Bowl logo be purple and red and was like, yeah, this, this yeah the that's something script. I would do. Yeah, yeah the, it the is. listeners and viewers of this show know that that's something I would do for sure. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, don't project onto me. You're talking about fine. yourself. You're projecting right now. I'm projecting. I think the NFL knew what they were doing with that opening opening season game. This is Super Bowl preview. I think it's Chiefs Lions. I think it's mm. Chiefs Lions. I, I this, so we are there's something opposites. about the Lions. Yeah, which is, I mean, why would I ever, you know, agree with you on anything? That's not what this show is. Yeah, That's not right. what this show course, is about. Sure, I mean, sure, sure. it's it's just we can't do that mm-hmm, here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The Lions are they have that Cinderella story magic, right? They just do. I mean, watching these games, and I know they have to go to uh, to Santa Clara for this one and not play at home with that raucous crowd, but. They got something special. Their offense is unstoppable. I think that game is going to be like 42-40, like the Lions might pull it out at the end. Um, I, I, I'm I actually picking the Lions to get in. And, dude, just stop betting against the Chiefs. Just just stop doing it. Just 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 don't do it. Everyone did it against Buffalo. Yeah. The only one on my show on Saturday, I'm Becua, who said take the Chiefs. I, if you can get Patrick Mahomes at plus money, if you're a betting man, take Patrick Mahomes on plus money with Andy Reid. They find a way. They will do it. I, they're going to beat the Ravens. I'm sorry, Lamar. Uh, Taylor Swift, Super Bowl. They can't get over it. Uh, it's going to be phenomenal. Chiefs, Lions, great uniform matchup that will be in Vegas. It's it's just, it's it's, it's going to happen. So I'll Chiefs see you win. on the Chiefs win the Super Bowl. Yep. Mm. I'm sorry. I don't want to be that guy who picks the Chiefs to win it all, but like, I mean, I, you're I not alone. It makes sense. It, 10 years from now, you'll look back and be like, fuck, I shouldn't have doubted that Patrick Mahomes guy. I mean, you already should know that, right? What did you say about Tom Brady for 20 years? That's fair. That's a good point. That is a good point. Well, All right. Well, we will it. see you guys uh, whenever something happens, uh, whether that be uh, tomorrow or next week or in a month. There's going to be something that happens, some kind of trade, whether it's Shields or the number one overall pick. I think we can all agree on that. So uh, we'll let you know when that happens. We'll be here. Uh, Until then, thanks for listening. Thanks for viewing. You guys are the best, as always, for myself, for Kevin, as I burp. Nice. Uh, This has been Bears Nation Podcast. Uh, Until next time, as always, bear down. Bear down.